the best in the world. I've been the best ever since day one on this microphone, in that ring, even in commentary. And trust me when I tell you, I am the hottest property in this industry today. Nobody can touch me. The only thing that's real is me, day in and day out. I am the best in the world. Do I have everybody's attention now?
What up, people? Welcome to a special edition of the Salty Thoughts of Mike Step Podcast. A sprinkle of salt edition, audio only edition, featuring the one and only Mike Steph, best in the world at what he does. Yeah, man. I'm going to make this short and sweet this week. Well, that's what a sprinkle of salt is. I am not going to talk about my originally scheduled topic, which would be the Royal Rumble slash Vince McMahon sexual misconduct lawsuit fallout no 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 i'm not going to talk about that for various reasons and just for the fact of i just feel like by this time it's it's not so much dated but i don't have as much passion with that topic that i thought i was going to have so i'm going to talk about the following the following being this why yeah i know that's not really a topic is it? it's more like a question why why why? 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 Yeah, that's why I titled this episode of Sprinkle of Salt with a simple three-letter word. Why? Topic number one will be my J-E-T-S-J-J-Jets. Yeah, I, it's like less than two weeks from the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58 with the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers, and I'm talking about my middling, my disgusting, my inept team in green that resides in the city of Gotham. Well, at least they're named after the city of Gotham, even though they reside in the swamp of East Rutherford, New Jersey. Why? Why am I talking about this team? It's because there was an article that came out this week from The Athletic, from Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt. Friend of Mr. McDowell. No, I, I'm not, that would be slanderous. Mr. McDowell is aware of Mr. Zach Rosenblatt. I think they're, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? I think they went to school together. Yeah, that. But there was an article that came out Detailing the the I'm I'm at a loss for words because I'm so pissed off. The ineptness that has run through the organization, the paranoia of one Robert Sala, the uh, unorganized, not even unorganized chaos, the unorganized nature of how they've been putting together this team since the addition of Aaron Rodgers. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of why this last season ended up the way it did. And even looking forward, even with a healthy Aaron Rodgers under center, even if we do have a piece of success, it's not going to be long stained. It's not going to be long standing. It's not going to be sustained. Alumni, yeah, that was the word. Anyway, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be sustained. It's gonna be fleeting. It's gonna be a total mess if it isn't a mess already. In the wake of whenever Aaron Rodgers decides to leave, but yeah, I'm gonna talk about that little article and my feelings going forward and why. 
why I feel the way I feel, why I feel like it would be a, it's a never ending abyss that I'm falling through when it comes to all my teams that I truly love. Knicks notwithstanding, but I'm not talking about them right now. The other topic, cause like I said, this is a sprinkle of salt, not a full fledged addition. The other topic will involve wrestling. It just won't involve really the Royal Rumble recap. It won't involve Vince McMahon and all his shenanigans. And I say the shenanigans, not to try to put that in a, in a light sense of the word. It's just like, I just, like I said, I just don't feel like dealing with it right now. I would talk about CM Punk, the return of CM Punk, or should I say the abbreviated return of CM Punk because CM Punk injured himself this past weekend in the Royal Rumble and he will not be working this upcoming WrestleMania. No, he will not be in the main event of either night of WrestleMania. And me being a long time CM Punk fan, eh, I won't say it got me on the remove. No, I won't say that because listen, shit happens. But once again, one of the things that I would enjoy, once again, one of the things and people that I root on ends up covered in dirt, ends up covered in mud, ends up covered in sludge, ends up in disappointment. Why? I don't know. But I'm going to attempt to answer that. And normally we just do this straight through, but I'm going to need to collect my thoughts and I'm going to start first things first with the New York Jets. So without further ado, we're going to get this sprinkle of salt on the road. Good night. And goodbye. This article by The Athletic detailing the dysfunction that went on behind the scenes for the New York Jets this past season in the immediate aftermath and for the long term after Aaron Rodgers' injury is disheartening to say the least, disgusting to say the most, and leaves me once again with this three-letter word that's been at the top tip of my tongue since I started recording. Why? Why, 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 why can't I have good things? I, I don't give a fuck about the rest of the fan base. Why can't I have good things? Why do all the teams that I choose to root for end up in dysfunction? Do you know? For new time for newer listeners and shoot matter of fact this will probably be a redo for long time listeners do you know since my inception since my birth on this damn earth 47 and a half years ago i have only been witness to one championship of my three teams that i root for my new york knicks my new york metropolitans and my New York Jets. We're not going to talk about the Warriors because I told y'all, listen, I'm talking about my bread and butter. 
not a team that I've was fond of for years, but never officially claimed as a team up until five, six years ago. Talk about my New York based teams. One of the statements in this article was that the team believed, the New York Jets that is, that the New York Jets believed that Aaron Rodgers' play and his persona could overcome all the innate flaws in the coaching, in the offensive personnel, and most importantly, the culture. That's a lot to cover up with the 40-year-old quarterback. In other words, they came into this season with Aaron Rodgers and a prayer. Just like a prayer, I hope to take you there. Just like a dream, you are, are, are to me. No backup plan or clue. The effing goal after the injury was to get to seven wins. I'm going all over the place now, but trust me, I will pull it together in a very few minutes. You know, of course, all this, all these claims, all these statements were made by mostly anonymous sources. But to me, that's what makes this so damning. These sources call Robert Sala paranoid. Nathaniel Hackett clueless. And the organization as a whole beholden to Rogers so much that some on the team got hurt. Now I'm going to be reading parts of this article and sprinkling my, my salty thoughts amongst this. This is, this is, this is, I mean, I, I, I read this later, later this evening. I mean, we're late tonight and it made me really just, want to get this on on recording so you can hear the angst in my voice you can hear the disappointment in my voice you can hear the outrage in my voice Aaron Rodgers injury forced the Jets to recalibrate their expectations this Super Bowl this Super Bowl aspirations replaced by a much lower bar seven wins i wonder if this seven win mark was an edict by wooden johnson saying look we had uh super bowl aspirations you were seven and ten last year with really a horrendous quarterback situation and now you're kind of back to that quarterback situation albeit with maybe a weaker offensive cast around the same quarterback the same old shit the SOS so anything less than seven wins means that you've taken a step back you've taken a step back from last year same quarterback I expect at least the same results anything more is a plus the goal was no longer the playoffs it was survival. Like, wow. You mean to tell me one week into the season, 
The goal was no longer the playoffs. The goal was survival. Think of that. It says the new, that New York met this seven-win goal, but losing Rodgers exposed problems latent in the operation. The biggest, which was the belief that the quarterback's play and persona could paper up all the flaws within the coaching, the offensive personnel, and the team culture. Ain't that a bitch? Like, we saw warning signs in the off in the preseason. They were magnified or maybe glossed over by the coverage of HBO's Hard Knocks series. Remember, everything was hee-hee-ha-ha. Ha. Everything was going to be great. Look at Aaron ingratiating himself into the team culture, actually embracing all the youngsters out there, the youngsters in the locker room, albeit star players, but young nevertheless. Garrett Wilson, he was going to make him a star. Not a budding star, but a full-blown star. Source Gardner on the defense, was looking at Aaron Rodgers as if he was the big bro. Even got Aaron Rodgers to iced out eight. They had the little handshake. You could tell they partaked off the cameras with the... Yo, this is some good shit. Look, I'm not knocking it to each his own. But this is what was on tape. What also was on tape was the times that they were in practice and Aaron Rodgers was literally running the offensive practice. There was a couple of outtakes in which Randall Cobb, who was brought in as a favor to Aaron Rodgers, he's been on the scrap heap for years, but... They needed somebody to pretty much tutor the rod receivers into what eight wanted. There was a couple of times where Randall Carr was like, look, eight, 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 don't go for that. Look, you don't want eight to come over here. You don't want 12. Oh, I'm at. That's right. He's eight now. You don't want eight to come over here and, and, and chew you out. Eight's not going to ha- handle that. Eight's not going to deal with that. Eight wants you to be fully in sync with him. Plenty of times you saw that. A lot of times when Aaron Rodgers do something, I wouldn't say extraordinary, but more than ordinary on the field, they would flash over the solid, solid, man, look what we got. Look what we got. Dick firmly in jaw. Balls hanging on chin. Yeah, I said it. I looked at this during the, during the preseason. I'm like, all right, you know, listen. I was talking my ish. I was tooting my horn. I was saying, look, we have the opportunity to not only win the division, but to go deep in the playoffs. I wasn't I wasn't chalking up a Super Bowl victory. But I knew we were going to have a market improvement from last season. Look what the offense did with Mike White. But think about it now. Now look at looking back on it, look what the offense did with Mike LaFleur. 
And look what the offense became with Nathaniel Hackett. The Athletics spoke to 30 sources in and around the organization, some of whom was granted anonymity to speak freely. These sources described the team as riddled with excuse-making, a paranoid head coach, and an ill-equipped offensive coordinator, and an organizational tunnel vision on a quarterback that rubs some of the teammates the wrong way. Ain't that a bitch. So, for everything that was in front of the camera, everything that they put on display, there was unrest in the locker room. Everybody was, wasn't fully on board with the Aaron Rodgers experience. It's one coach off the record said, it's a fucking mess. Something has to change. The offensive players felt that Aaron Rodgers' hand-picked offensive coordinator, Hackett, failed to adjust after losing his quarterback and didn't put them in positions to succeed well that kind of bore fruit as much as everybody myself included wanted to dispel the fact that this was going to be Brett Favre part two actually end up it's end up being worse than Brett Favre part two because at least for good or bad for all its faults we got 16 games out of Brett Favre. We got four plays out of his replacement, his heir apparent in Green Bay, and his replacement in the Green Bay uh, shuttle system coming from Green Bay to New York. We got four plays. It says in 2008, Rudy Johnson wanted to wanted a big name to sell tickets as the Jets were about to go into MetLife Stadium. Favre only lasted one season. Now you fast forward now, it's it was the same shit. We had a quote unquote, we had a ready defense. We had marquee players on offense that we had just drafted in Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. All we needed was a trigger man to make it all come together. And Woody Johnson pulled the trigger and said, pretty much, get that man. I, I really believe this was already set in stone before the end of last season. And it, so much was said about the friendship, the brotherhood of Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and how Aaron Rodgers desperately wanted to take Zach Wilson under his wing. Hmm. We're into the, the in this article. Looked like even Aaron Rodgers rubbed Zach Wilson the wrong way. To the point that by the end of the season, Zach Wilson didn't want shit to do with Aaron Rodgers. Not a damn thing. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna piss it bring it up to this. This was supposed to be Wilson's red shirt year. When the 24-year-old could sit back, watch, and learn from his idol, then potentially salvage his career. Wilson said in the offseason, he's the big brother I never had. 
Rogers helped Wilson regain his confidence, and Wilson was willing to sit and watch. But the dynamic between the two players changed after Rogers' injury. Hmm. Some bullshit, right? They said, where's that? They said toward the end of the year. Damn it. Anyway, they said toward the end of the year, Zach Wilson was pissed. Okay, here we go. When Wilson was benched for Boyle ahead of the Week 12 matchup with the Miami Dolphins, he knew his Jet career was over. According to multiple team sources in their meeting to discuss Wilson's benching, Sala told the quarterback he would be inactive for the rest of the season and that the team would try to trade him in the offseason. But in the days before the Falcons game, Sala reversed course and told Wilson to start practicing as if he might have to play again. And even though he did not play against Atlanta, Wilson knew they were considering starting him again. And he expressed reluctance in returning to play and said to most people, look, he was going to politely decline if asked. Based on his previous conversation with Salah. So in other words, he's like, look, look, dude. Behind the scenes, you've put all the blame at my feet. In front of the, in front of the cameras, in front of the microphones, you've haven't thrown me under the bus, but a lot of times your non-answers are just as good as saying that dude can't play. It's not my decision. For the people above me, I just coach. So you benched me. We don't have a we don't have a backup. We really don't have a legitimate backup. You benched me on a short week. You put Tim Boyle in my place. Everybody know Tim Boyle didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And then after that first game against Miami. Because of the embarrassment of the fail Mary, you say, you know what? Maybe I fucked up. Hey, Zach, get you, I know what I said last week. Hey, don't worry about that. I might have your spot back. And by this time, Zach was like, no, fuck that. No, stand on your word. You fucked me over last year. You, you allowed the team to have Mike fucking white T-shirts on. Sent me to the corner. Deservedly so? Perhaps. But you helped that shit. You egged that shit on. And then this year, when everything was falling apart, you benched me. And then when you realized the error of your worry, ways, you said, you know what? I'm going to need you back. No, fuck you. Trade me. Oh. And then you want me back here? You want me back here? Back behind this offensive line, knowing damn well that this offensive line ain't worth shit, and I don't got a future with y'all, I'm going to start looking out for myself. And that's exactly what the fuck he did. He expressed reluctance about returning to play 
and said he would politely decline if asked. Because he was feared, he had fears of getting injured behind the Mets, the Jets makeshift offensive line. So what did Coach Stoller do? Yo, A-Rod, yo, Aaron, yo, I need you to do me this solid. Yo, go to the young boy and uh, try to convince him, to, uh, you know, which God, give it to old college try because, uh, yo, Tim Boy ain't it. Fit Wilson said, look, nah, listen, that didn't work. And they say Wilson's feelings about his idol soured over the season. Which is crazy. They said Wilson told coaches and teammates he was under the impression he would have a direct line to Aaron Rodgers, even after Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles and flew home to California for the surgery in the early stages of his rehab. Instead, Wilson barely heard from him. But yet Aaron Rodgers is on every Tuesday on Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee heard from him. So you go so he went on these shows. Well, matter of fact, he went on this show and pretty much expressed all his concern and all his support for Zach Wilson. But behind the scenes, he's like, little man, yo, leave me be. Yo, I holler at you when I holler at you. Matter of fact, guess what? Talk to talk to the talk to the answer service. When I get back to New York, that's when you'll see me. But look, look, little motherfucker, leave me alone. They said it was only after the Athletic reported about Wilson's hesitance that he went into Coach Sala's office and said he'd start against the Houston Texans. Coincidentally, he had the best game of his career. Maybe he had a chip on his shoulder. Maybe something that he should have had to begin with, but neither here nor there. And he outdoed C.J. Stroud in a surprising 36 win before suffering that concussion the next season, I mean, the next week against Miami. Now, the most damning part of this article was the information about Robert Sala. Because multiple times in this article, it said that Robert Sala concerned himself more with what was being said in the media, both social media and print media and media shows. That's the first take and such and the, and the radio shows. And you got to think there's some, if not a lot of truth in that, because wasn't one of the, dark moments of this season, one of the one of the bad spots of this season concerning Coach Sala was his conversations with sports radio legend in New York, Joe Meningo, being divulged by Joe Meningo, Meningo, on air about the discussions they have via text and the discussions they've had on the phone and how uh, you know, he really doesn't like Zach Wilson. Think about that. So now this makes so much sense because it says here, Coach Sala has the mantra, positive vibes only. 
printed on t-shirts that coaches and other staffers often wear around the facility. The coach tries to stay optimistic around players and in front of the media and has garnered respect for many in the locker room for cultivating an environment that allows players to be themselves. But behind closed doors, the vibes weren't always positive, especially when Salah would see negative press reports. He would also, he would often bring up how in his mind, the Giants don't get as much negative coverage as the Jets. Call it unfair. Guess what? Being a New York Jet means you are comfortable with being uncomfortable. Means you are comfortable being the butt of the joke. The whole point of becoming the head coach or taking the head coaching job of the New York Jets is for you to be the one to lead us to the promised land. For you to change the outlook, change how people view this franchise, this more abundant franchise. For how many years? Do you know that the New York Jets have the longest non-playoff streak of any team in North America? In North America, we're talking about Mexico. We're talking about, oh, Canada. And we're talking about the U.S. of A. 13 years in running. The last time the New York Jets made the super, I mean, made the playoffs, my daughter, main event K, is two years old. No, I'm sorry, four years old. She is now 17. I only had seven years on my job. Unlucky seven? Eh, I won't say that. But seven years on my job. Now, I have two decades. So almost a decade and a half has gone by since these freaking Jets have made the postseason. And you're concerned about the Giants? Giants made the postseason last year with a rookie head coach. This year, they were 2-8. and eight, And they, by all means, should have had the first or second pick in this upcoming NFL draft. Guess what they did? They kept it together. Head coach and defensive coordinator squabbling with standing. They kept it together. But you know what's even worse about our plight? They said, and this is the last thing I'm going to refer to in this article, was the uncertainty around the 2024 season lingered until Aaron Rodgers publicly endorsed Salah and Douglas a few days before a Week 16 matchup against the Washington Commanders. You see how fucked up that sounds? Rodgers endorsed his head coach and his general manager. Before the game, which is after Rodgers gave the endorsement, Woody Johnson told the New York Post that Salah and Douglas would both be returning, which was 
a case of too fast, my friend. Because guess what? A few weeks later, you had Bill Belichick, who would never take this job, but regardless, Bill Belichick was available. Jim Harborough, who is now the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, was available. Pete Carroll, another person that probably wouldn't take this job, is available. And Mike Vrabel, who, tell you the truth, I'm kind of hoping he does not get hired this car, this hire, uh, this coaching cycle, this hiring cycle, because I think fair or foul, this is the last year of Robert Sala. What this team needs is discipline. What this team needs is some type of professionalism and trust and believe. I was never a naysayer of Robert Sala, but from what I've read, what I've seen, especially this last year, that he's pretty much crying in his crying in his his weedies over. I got this great offense. I mean, I got this great defense, and it's gonna go to waste because I don't have a quarterback. Oh, I have a quarterback, and he got hurt. What am I to do? What was me? What was me? Really? Look, I, I don't, I don't want to take no personal shots, but anybody that looks like Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean is the man behind that shine. Is it wet or is it dry? Anything, anybody who's concerned about their legacy but yet hasn't even gotten to a fucking playoff game has it never has never really been in real contention we were seven and four last year and you lost your last six games this year we were four and three you lost five games in a row and the season was over before you rebounded and ended the last five games three and two but by that time season was over you won two of those games with Trevor Simeon. Is that something to jump for joy? Matter of fact, did you win two of those games with Trevor Simeon? Oh, my bad. No, you didn't. So, miss me with the bullshit. We had an opportunity to upgrade our coaching situation. And guess what? We chose to forego any type of upgrade based on Aaron Rodgers. They said numerous GMs in the league was like, look, Aaron Rodgers is really GM. Douglas is the assistant GM. Like, I knew it was revolving around Rodgers, but I didn't know it to this extent. This is some bullshit. And I've talked way too much about these mother effers. But that brings me back to the question that I asked at the very tip top of this episode. Why? Why is it always the Jets? Why can the Jets never get out of their own way? We develop one of the premier pass rushes, outside rushes in the league. And guess what? Due to um, messed up a messed up cap situation or a lot of too much dead money, we're going to allow, we're going to have to allow him to walk. 
we're not even going to get any value from them. Pretty soon, pretty soon, Hall and Wilson are going to bid just adieu. And it's going to be, and it's going to be all our fault. You really think they're going to deal with this dysfunction and give up the prime years of their career to remain a New York Jet? You really think that Brees Hall coming back from an ACL, there was there was bits of it this season, his displeasure on how he was used, his his disgust with the coaching. He didn't say it, but you could read between the lines. Garrett Wilson, had, he matured enough to be a little bit more savvy in his dismay, his um, his despair at his predicament in the offense. Do you know that Garrett Wilson has had seven quarterbacks in his two first two years in the league, and yet he still has put put together back to back thousand yard seasons? Albeit, yeah, I know seventeen games, but still, how long do you think that's going to last? Either we're going to have to overpay to keep them. And in Brees Hall's case, he's a second-round pick, so we actually lose a year of his, of his control. I mean, of control for him. And then what's going to happen after Aaron Rodgers leaves? Whether it's this season, next season, we still we don't have an heir apparent. We're going to try to trade to Zach Wilson. Everybody's just going to wait for him to be released. Nobody's going to give him any collateral. And then we're going to see him sprout elsewhere because once again, the Jets don't deserve good things. Why? Speaking of good things or not deserving good things, I guess that's going to bring us to CM Punk, right? I don't even know why I picked that song because this song has nothing to do with the topic that I'm about to about to broach. Um, this past Sunday, well, this past Saturday, on the PLE offering from WWE, the Royal Rumble, one of my favorite wrestlers, uh, matter of fact, yeah, I'll say favorite, one of my fav, favorite wrestlers of all time, CM Punk, returned to the ring in a televised event for the first time in 10 years, almost 10 years to the day of the time that he walked out of WWE. Coincidentally, the day after the Royal Rumble, 2014. So he had returned 
this past November, after two years of turmoil, of anarchy in AEW, he returned to a hero's welcome in his own city of Chicago. And he was pretty much on the path of doing something that has eluded him for his whole career, which would be to main event WrestleMania. Yeah, I know the same WrestleMania that he was cracking jokes, cracking wise at about a year or so ago in the competing company of AEW saying, yeah, you know, told, told MGF, you know, maybe if he plays his car right, he can actually main event the buy one, get one free WrestleMania. Yeah, that WrestleMania. Yes, trust me. CM Punk is full of contradictions. CM Punk is full of hypocrisies. But what happened this Sunday, happened this past Saturday, I dare say even the most ardent CM Punk naysayer would deem to be egregious. CM Punk entered the Royal Rumble at the number 27 position. 27 out of 30. And I'm quite sure that was taking account of his recent injury history uh, to make sure that he would not well, cut down on the possibility of injury to keep him in pristine condition going into WrestleMania, being the fact that the rumored main event of WrestleMania Night 1 would have been Seth Rollins, who was recuperating from a knee injury himself, versus CM Punk. Now, it came down to the final two, but before that, yeah, it came down to the final two between CM Punk and... Whoa! It's only smoking... No. The American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. And those two were the presumptive, two of the presumptive favorites, two of the presumptive winners in this year because both of them had a story to tell. Yes, the age old, yes, I must finish my story. Came down to those two and they went about eight, nine minutes before Cody became the only the fourth man in the history of the Royal Rumble to win back-to-back -back years. Now, in the aftermath, a lot of people was like, well, you know, CM Punk didn't look good in that last eight minutes. He looked winded. He looked washed. That wasn't a very good harbinger for things to come, especially if he's going to expect it to go 25, 30 minutes against Seth freaking Rollins. I don't know how well that's going to be. And then... The Twitter detectives, then the social media detectives, then the dirt sheets, then the reporters started fishing around trying to say, well, maybe there was a reason why CM Punk did not look too well in those last nine minutes. It was pinpointed that taking a future shock by Drew McIntyre, he injured his tricep. Once again, not the same arm, different arm. And a tricep, a torn tricep is going to be a couple months. And that would effectively take him out of WrestleMania.
So on Monday, before Monday Night Raw came on, you know, it start, news start leaking out, news start leaking out. And then it was saying, everybody was, it was said, it was announced that CM Punk would open up Raw with an announcement. Open up Raw to uh, talk about the scuttlebutt that was going around since the Roy Rumble. There is a, sec a certain segment of the IWC that took great joy in CM Punk not being able to finish his story. Not being able to return to the place that he walked away from 10 years prior. Especially being the fact that he got fired for questionable acts in AEW. And he was not meant to have a happy ending. I'm, I believe CM Punk probably would say maybe karma that came back to bite him in the ass himself. Now, in a very emotional promo that opened up Monday Night Raw, he confirmed to the masses that he did indeed injure his tricep and that he would indeed be gone for a couple months. He would indeed miss his opportunity to main event WrestleMania. He did put things in perspective and say, look, at the end of the day, I'm an entertainer. You know, uh, I'm not a hero, as in the people that fight fires, the people that sanitation. Um, he has a friend of his that is currently battling cancer and going through chemotherapy. So he did put things in the proper perspective that, listen, at the end of the day, there's always next year, perhaps. Or just perhaps, maybe it's just not meant for him to do what he's been wanting to do, from his own words, since he was a child. His dream was to main event WrestleMania. Far cry from the man 10 years ago, but upon his return, him and Paul Levesque, a.k.a. Triple H, did say that, look, if you're the same person that you were 10 years ago, then we have a problem. People can change. People do change. People were skeptical. He's been on a Goodwill tour. He's gone down to Florida to NXT to mentor or attempt to mentor, or just make himself available. He's uh, stuck out the olive branch to those who he had beef with in the past. He has attempted to make amends. Even in the promo, he said, yes, I did walk away. I did walk out because he needed to walk out back then. It wasn't, it wasn't going to be healthy for him to stay. And tell you the truth, um, to be quite transparent, I did something similar today, not to that degree of walking out of my job, but due, for my health, I have... This particular co-worker of mine, you know, the co-worker that I've spoken about that came to work with COVID and didn't give a fuck about anybody else. And he does things to, matter of fact, at this point in time, he doesn't do anything in particular to trigger me. Just his presence is a trigger. And for my own mental health, I said, you know what? I say nothing to him. He came in. 
I walked directly out the door. Have a good night. Because I needed to leave then for my health. It's not apples to apples, but you get gist. Those seven years away from professional wrestling was needed for CM Punk. The two years in AEW, as tumultuous as they have been or were, was needed for CM Punk to actually probably appreciate, to a certain degree, the things that he took for granted when he was in the big machine. Yes, he was reintegrating himself at a different slot. But without going to the other side, without going outside the bubble, he could no longer appreciate, he would not be able to appreciate or gain appreciation for what he can accomplish himself personally. With tears in his eyes, he spoke to a captivated audience. And if you really think about it, I want to say this promo that he did this past Monday might have been more realistic than the promo that he did returning to professional wrestling. And people want to know, well, that's because you're a homer, Mike. That's because you have no love laws for AEW, Mike. That's because your moniker, you pretty much aped from Mr. CM Punk himself being the best in the world at what he does. And all that may be true. But listen to my point of view. When he returned to AEW, when he turned to professional wrestling, a part of him was still bitter. Not bitter to the point that it, it, took, it, it took it over his soul, that it just ate away at him, but you could still feel the bitterness he had about his last time in the business. But part of the problems that he probably encountered was a comparison of, listen, that place was shit, but at least they did X, Y, Z. Over here, it might be, it's a little bit too loose for my liking. I need some type of structure. I need a boss. Okay, y'all want me to do, be the boss? All right, I'm going to be the boss, but then, then hold me down. That's why the little pot shots here about WWE, the, the what you call it, the two for one, the suck on the blood money dick, the whole nine. That was still born out of bitterness for how his previous run in the business ended. He got injured the first time with his foot. Then he returned and he got injured again with his tricep. Then he returned and they got fired. Because at that point in time, everybody knows he didn't give a rat's ass. Probably wanted to get fired. So he could be free and clear. Do I agree with it? Do I agree with his tactics? Not really. Call a spade a spade. But 
this past Monday night, he actually let his guard down and admitted. And somebody like some people would be like, "Well, you know, that's just because he's under the umbrella, so of course, of course, he's gonna kiss their ass." No, he actually admitted that main eventing WrestleMania was a childhood dream. All the bravado, all the ego, all the, I won't even say pomp and circumstance, but the ruggedness, the rigidness, the acerbicness of CM Punk that we've grown to love or hate, depending on your point of view, was to the side. And he actually let you in to his ultimate endgame. That's why he was so emotional. To be less than two months away, or a little bit more than two months away, from finally achieving his childhood dream. Everybody knows his childhood was bumpy. But to finally achieve his childhood dream, to finally make up for the wrongs that he's done in this business for himself. Mentally, for himself. Had been taken away because his body failed him. And there's nothing he could do. He said he even tried to, tried to coax himself like, well, you know, maybe I can get through the elimination chamber. And it was told to him, like, nah, nah, that, that injury ain't nothing to mess with. You can't work through that. So now he's pretty much starting from scratch. Will it be a blessing in disguise? Who knows? I'm not even going to go down that road at all. For me? Am I disappointed? Yeah. Yeah, I'm disappointed. I mean, part of me was always wondering when the other shoe was going to drop on his return. But then at the same time, I was going for the ride. To know that his first in-ring action came to an end that quick, yeah, it was very disappointing. But I'm not the subject of this question of why. No, I'm quite sure CM Punk is asking himself that on a daily slash nightly basis. Why? Is this a is this my way of um, having an atonement for whatever gods I may have pissed off? Is like I said, is this karma? For any perceived wrongs that I committed in the wrestling business. Or maybe it's just, it's not meant to be. And he said, maybe it's just not meant to be. And that's something that he's going to have to come to grips with in his this re rehabilitation. Oh, never mind about the fact he's 45. I think he'll return when he's 46. Yeah, shoot, I'm 48. No, I'm not. I'll be 48 this year. Shoot, I'm already at. See, that's what happens with old age. You start forgetting your age. Usually you go down. I, I went up. 
but yeah, it's uh, it is deflating. You know, the, um, I'll, I'll let y'all know right now. The reason I decided not to talk about the Vince McMahon allegations and there's, there was different news or new a new angle that came out of that today as I'm recording this, and I'm like, you know what? I think that's something that in order for me to do it justice and not just do it for jokes and not just do it for jumping on the wave, I need to do my due diligence and actually make sure I'm very informed about that situation instead of just reading clips or listening to clips or listening to other people's um, understanding of what was there. I need to actually engulf myself in it myself. On top of the fact that I feel like being the fact that I have two daughters, um, it would probably be in my best interest to do so. So I'm not talking out my ass. I'm not being ignorant for ignorance sake. Plus, like, yeah, plus every other angle. Like I said, I I, I could do it, but um, I'm going to choose to pass on that right now. Maybe I'll revisit that later at a later time. Because, shoot, football season about to wrap up and it's going to be dry like the Sahara Desert out here. Or dry as... But you know what? I'm not even going to go there. But, yeah, so... With all that being said, I guess we're going to bring this to a close of another edition of the Salty Thoughts of Mike Steph podcast, Sprinkle Assault Edition. I'd like to thank each and every one of y'all for making me in this Sprinkle Assault podcast, the one y'all choose to listen to. See, I gave the audio listeners an hour episode. I double dipped. I double dipped like Back in my younger days, once again, I'm going to leave that be. Speaking of double dipping, happy birthday to Tyler, Tyler McDowell. Yes, he turned whatever he turned yesterday. Like I said last year, and I'll say it again. I'm not going to divulge that man's that man's age. You want to know how old he turned? Tune in to gimmick infringement. Winchester McDowell. Yeah, tune into that. But yeah. Happy birthday. And hopefully, just hopefully, uh, something dug out. You know. I'm not saying it has to be nappy. I'm not even saying it has to be permed. I just know something something better than dug out. And I'm not talking about a car dug out from snow. Or a flower dug out. From a garden. No, 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 no. But yeah, let me let me get off that topic because um I'm gonna get myself in trouble. So please check out Gimmick Infringement every every Sunday night. Please check out the full length version, the full length editions of the Salty Door to Mike Steph podcast on the YouTube channel of Mike Steph each and every late Sunday night, early Monday morning. And of course, check out the audio edition. With some bonuses at times, but you got to subscribe. You got to subscribe. You got to follow. You got to press the like button. You got to, um, you know, uh, uh, follow all that other stuff. 
on the audio airwaves of Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, amongst others. All streaming platforms have podcasts are available to be frank. And yeah, so with all that being said, I, I'm gonna get y'all out. I'm gonna get out of here. So I'm until next week. Goodbye. Stop.